Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 204, I'm chatting with author and speaker, Lisa Bevere. I always like to say this prayer when I do a youth conference. I always pray that my kids will see up close things I've only seen in a distance. That they'll they'll speak out loud things I would have only dared to whisper. That they will lay hold of with their hands the things I've handled in prayer. And I've prayed this prayer over my boys since they were little from Isaiah, that they were for signs and wonders and miracles, that they are disciples taught of the Lord, and great is their peace and undisturbed composure. And of course, they're like, what's composure? And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It's going to be there for you when you need it. And And I've watched the faithfulness of God when I just said, I am a flawed, ridiculous person, and I have these amazing children, and it is such an entrustment of God that my kids are are a gift, and I want to do it well. And I, I want to emphasize that word, well. Well means healthy. Nobody does it perfect. Well means I learn from my mistakes. Did you catch that? Well does not mean perfect. And learning from our mistakes means that we're going to make them. And it's okay. Lisa is wise. She's a New York Times bestselling author. But you know, she was a bucket list guest for me because of how she's raised her four boys. And we talk about parenting. We talk about how God helped her overcome her dysfunctional upbringing. And we talk about her newest book, Adamant which is finding truth in a universe of opinions. And if you have a strong-willed girl, there's even a little encouragement in here for you. But before we get to that, let's talk about this month's sponsor. Okay, y'all, have you even gone and checked out the Entitlement Fix course? I've mentioned it a few times. It's over at godcenteredmom.com forward slash entitlement. And you can listen to Jim and Lynn. They have a little video, that little one-minute video. You can hear about the course and growing hard work and gratitude in your kids. Because if your family continues to struggle with a lack of motivation and bad attitudes, or you give your kids more than enough, but they never seem grateful, and maybe your kid's sense of entitlement makes you nervous about their ability to survive in the real world, this is the course for you. It's only four sessions. They're like 20 to 30 minutes each, and Jim and Lynn graciously hand you tools to equip you, things to say. We have already been implementing them in our home. I just feel a lot better. Like I want to make my kids happy. There's something in me that is a people pleaser that I don't like when my kids are discontent and unhappy. And so then it causes stress. So having these phrases and having these systems has been super helpful in our family. If you want to check it out again, go to godcentermom.com forward slash entitlement. The course is only $23 and you have access to it forever. So if your kids are little right now, just get it. And then you'll be able to be equipped and start these phrases and these you know, sayings and systems start early and you'll be able to handle it as it gets into, (laughs) it just spins out of control when they get older. Uh, So go check that out. But right now, let's get to my conversation with Lisa. Here we go. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. I am so excited to be with you, Heather. It is an absolute joy. You've been on my bucket list. I think I've been doing the show for about four years. So a long time. What took me so long? What's <laughs> with me? <laughs> it's more me getting brave. I need to be brave like you. Uh, oh. And just, I'm so thankful for all that you've done in ministry and keeping your message going. Uh, this newest book adds on just to the work that you've allowed God to do through you. So thank you for being faithful. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with your audience. Well, these moms love Jesus but they also know the truth of the hard days and circumstances and the nuttiness of this calling, um, the sacrifices. And so would you introduce them to yourselves as a mom and your family and just let them know that you're along for the ride? You get it. Absolutely. So I am a mother of four boys, which we have that in common, which makes us mob moms, (laughs) M-O-B, mothers of boys. But you're not really probably a real mob mom, but i possibly could be because I'm half Sicilian. There you go. So there you I, go. I'm, I am Sicilian and I'm also a grandmother to four. So I have 
two grandsons, 18 and 18 months. I mean, 18. No, that was a lie. 18 <laughs> months and eight. And then I also have a, a two granddaughters, seven and three. And I love them with all of my heart. I'm thrilled that my husband and I, we co-founded a ministry called Messenger International. We work with mm. all four of our boys. We have spiritual sons, spiritual daughters. We've had the privilege of giving away over 17 million individual resources throughout the world in 106 languages to people who cannot get it because of persecution or poverty. So we get to minister in the U.S. and we get to sow into far-flung fields. And uh, But my favorite thing is being a mom. My mm. absolutely favorite thing that I've ever done in my life is being a mother. And I love the idea of mothers just understanding the strength of their season, understanding that we can, we have to have a sense of humor. We have to have a sense of humor, especially if you have four boys. Four, you know what? Actually, I, I feel like we're kind of cheating. Four girls is probably harder. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I love women. I love men. Mm. I love family. I mm. love truth. I love God. God is first and foremost a father. And so I love that you are celebrating mothers and that season, whatever it looks like in their lives. So oh, thank, thank you, you, Heather. Well, thank you. Okay, so I want to get into some of your story because there might be a mom listening who's never read any of your books and they don't know a lot of your story. I, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. It is possible. Um, and I've just personally always wanted to talk to you about um, – some of the things you've overcome and you share a little bit, you touch on it in this latest book, Adamant, but I know in your other books, uh, you've okay. shared stories about your parents and it's not like you come from this faith tradition and this idyllic yeah. home and then you no. pass that on to your four boys. This you've, you've come from hard things and I meet these women okay. and I talk with these women and I, I just sat at a park with a woman. I mean, there is such a boundary in their mind to overcome, to see God as different from the human people in their life. Mm, yeah. That played you that know, role. Yeah. No, I, I love that you're being really intentional about that. And you know what? I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. Mm. And I came from a absolutely crazy, amazingly dysfunctional family. Mm. We were doing dysfunctional long before the Kardashians figured out how to make money out of it. My grandmother was married four times. She believed in upgrading husbands. She was like, nope, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't replaced. She replaced them. My parents were married, divorced, remarried. My father is the child of Sicilian refugees. So he grew up all the time with a, a lot of pain and, and fear of provision. Mm -hmm. He grew up you know, in, in the, the Great Depression, and his mother had to work, his, he, his dad died when he was 10, and his mother had to work as a prostitute to mm. feed her kids. So all of this uh, horrible brokenness. Mm. And um, my mother, you know, my dad getting married, two broken people looking to the other one to fix them. And, you know, here's the thing, we both know that if you've been married for more than a week. <laughs> <laughs> this is no joke. Yeah. Maybe two weeks, maybe if you're on the hunt, but that <laughs> person cannot fix you, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, only God can bring that wholeness that we're looking for in our lives. And so I heard the gospel for the first time at 21 years of age, didn't know one single scripture. And uh, it's actually my husband, who I'm now married to, is the one who led me to the Lord on my first date. I know that was illegal, but I, I, I know. I, I didn't <laughs> That's not know. illegal. <laughs> yeah. I, I showed up at breakfast in a bikini top and cut off shorts that I had slid up to the waistband so that everybody knew I didn't have underwear on. I don't know why I thought that was important to communicate <laughs> to the world. But, you know, when you're 21 and you're a heathen, you're like, yeah, the people attention. need to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It was an attention thing. And John was like, Jesus, I just hope my wife has legs like that, but I bind a spirit of lust. <laughs> and anyway, he invited me to Bible State Picnic, got born again, healed, healed. Because he said to me, uh, now you're saved. And, and I said, what does that mean? Wow, yeah. But he said, it means to be whole again, spirit, soul, and body. And I said, so I can have cheese now that I'm a Christian? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I said, you just said that I could have cheese. He's like, I, I did not say that. I said, you said I was whole in my body. And so he like grabs grabs my hand and is like, God, if you can save this heathen, you could heal this heathen. And so I got healed delivered. It was crazy, amazing. All on our first date thought, okay, I need to marry a guy like that. I mean, mm -hmm. like a year and a half later, we got married. I thought everything would be perfect. And, uh, 
quickly found out that we were experts in one another's weaknesses Mm -hmm. rather than experts in one another's strength. And Mm -hmm. the first four years of our marriage looked like WWF wrestling. Mm -hmm. Heather, we had nowhere to go. We had nowhere to go. The church we went to was all about appearances. I mean, they loved the word of God, but they didn't know how to love one another well. Does that make sense? It was kind of that that scary word of faith thing. We were young, so we were like, we loved the idea of knowing the word, but we didn't know how to do life. We didn't know how to to forgive. We didn't know how to uh, build a family. And so after four years of our marriage, we we really had a, a crossroads where we were like, we, we're going to have to build different. We can't do this. And so we, we stopped fighting. And then the year eight, we rose and built. And we've been married 36 years, which is just, wow. to be honest with you, I I was somewhere with John recently, and they're like, how long have you guys been married? I was like, 32 years. He's like, 36. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, 30, 36. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just been one of the most uh, challenging, beautiful, glorious things in my life. I have four boys that are so much better than John and I. We made so many mistakes. And I always want to say that because I think yeah. so many people are like, Oh, your kids are perfect, and you—you're perfect. No, we were—we were great repenters. We were—we were constantly apologizing. Like, hey, you know how mom just yelled? <laughs> Guess what? Mommy shouldn't do that right now. Or, or yeah. your mom was just disrespectful with dad. Yeah, that's—that's that's not cool. Mommy shouldn't talk like that. Yeah. I mean, we had to totally lean into the mercy of God. We were doing something new. We also really understood that our kids were going to inherit one of two things either God's promises or our fears. Mm. And so we were very intentional to go after the fears. And it was more me than my husband. Uh, he's he's kind of, I, I just had, I mean, I, I seriously, I was a piece of work. <laughs> I just had so much going on. And uh, the Holy Spirit just was so gracious to take his word and root out those things. And, and uh, really time in his presence, time on my knees, because I did not want to see my children reflect my fears. And I started to hear them say them, Heather. Oh yeah. My, yeah. They started to say out loud things that were in my head, things they'd never heard me say. And I was like, no, God, I don't want this to be the inheritance of my kids. And so being very intentional to, to go after those things was, was a huge thing for us. And, and, um, yeah. And now, you know, our son and his wife, they're doing it way better than we did it. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah. You know, people learn from our failures just as much as they learn from our successes. And I think a lot of times moms go to bed every night with the list. Yeah. And that list is everything you didn't get done, everything you should have done, you know, shouldn't have yelled, should have disciplined, should have whatever it is. I had such a heavy list that every single night I went to bed with this itemized list of probably everything that God was mad at me about, everything I didn't get done. And then I woke up heavy every single morning, fighting oppression, fighting depression. Just if my kids weren't driving cars over me, I would have probably stayed in bed and had a full scale depression. But they were like, no, we're going to we're going to be on top of you on sitting on your head. You can afford <laughs> like all over me. So I'm like, I'm just I can't even have a good depression. I'm going to have <laughs> I can't even have time for depression. I don't. Yes, yeah, you understand. Oh, I totally do. I totally do. And every mom listening is is like, yes, to a part of your story or completely to your story of not having a plan to follow. That's what I hear from moms. Like, I didn't have a plan to follow. I didn't want to copy what my parents did. And like you said, we didn't know what we were doing. We've never done this before. We want to uphold these things we're learning in God's word, but we don't know how. And um, we have all these fears and broken places and wounds and trauma that you're trying to also heal from while parenting and you don't want to pass it on. And so what were some, were there some key people in your life or key moments in your life that you remember as a mom that were helpful and moving forward and, and parenting in a way that you wanted to, instead of following your parents' path? Yes. You know, Heather, I wish there had been key people. I I just think in in my season that they just weren't available. I couldn't find them. I, I looked Mm. for them really hard, but there were key moments. And I remember one of the moments was um, when I actually stopped parenting in my own strength Mm. and when I stopped leaning into my own understanding. And um, I'm kind of this person where um, I, you know, there were a lot of parenting books that were like, you know, if your child does this, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, okay, I need to be disciplined. Like, I mean, I'm serious. Like if these are the rules, I'm breaking them every yeah. day. I, I, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't. I'm with you. Yes. yes. I cannot be 
be a hypocrite. Yeah. And and so we had to sit down as parents and say, what's going to be really be important to our kids? Mm. What do we want to raise up in uh, in our children? We want children that love God, honor God with their life, love people, honor people with their life love us, honor us with their life. What, what are those things? And so we had to kind of go to our core values, which were respect, uh, protection, that they would protect younger brothers, um, honor, um, not lying. We didn't want to raise liars. We, you know, so these were the things where we would just say, okay, we're going to tell you one time and then there's a consequence. And like, let's say they were throwing a ball in the house. We'd be like, Hey, don't throw a ball in the house. They threw it again. We took the ball, you know, it, it because for a long time, I did the thing. If you do that again, if you do that again, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to five. I'm going to count to 10. Right. I'm going to scream. I don't know what, and it wasn't All working. the threats. Yeah, yeah. 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 And my children were just like, we have a crazy mom. Like, our mom's crazy. And yeah. so I just sat down with them and I said, you know how mommy's been yelling? And they're like, yes. And you know how mommy's been like pinching you when you run by? Like I'd be breastfeeding one child, chasing the other three, you know, pinching or slapping at you. Not like their face, but no, you know, like no, no, slapping. like trying to grab yeah. them, trying to get yeah. them. Yes. Like, yes. Hey, hey. Uh, you know, mommy's not doing that anymore. Yes. And they're all like, yes. And I said, mommy's going to say it one time and then there'll be a consequence. Uh, Cause my husband would call from the road and be like, do you understand you're lying to our children? I'm like, mm. what are you saying? Mm. He'd be like, you, you're saying, when I get off this phone, I'm spanking everyone. <laughs> he's like, are you really going to do that? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's, you can't say things that you're not going to do. Mm, that's good. We wanted to to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and to slow to wrath. We wanted to have have a, an understanding so our kids understood what they were even being disciplined for, mm. not being overwhelmed by the emotion, which was what I always felt. Yeah. I just remember feeling the anger of my mother or the anger yeah. of my father. I didn't even remember the lesson. Like, like I almost would have to be like, well, what did I get spanked for? Like, well, <laughs> was, like you're, I, you're over responding to the emotions involved and not like thinking your thinking brain's not on your fight or flight brains on. Yeah. I would just yeah. kind of be going, yeah. so am I getting spanked? Am I getting spanked? Am I getting spanked? Like the whole time they're talking to me, I'm like, what's actually going to happen? Like, so, <laughs> what is the end game here? And I, yeah. I did want to talk for a second. Cause I know the mom's listening who has a strong willed daughter. Yes. And you did a little that. nod to that in this book. Um, yes. That you were that strong-willed daughter. Yes, and, on steroids possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and just to give her hope because I know yes. it's frustrating. I'm confident. I have strong-willed sons, a few of them. It's it's hard and you don't want to crush break the spirit. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you don't want to break I, them. But shaping it and helping it and seeing and having hope that possibly there's purpose in it. Um, what, what hope can you give her? Well, first and foremost, I, I know that I personally respond better to positive affirmation yeah. rather than negative and humiliation. So I just think I was so out of the box for my mom. My mom told me this story and I didn't write in the book because I'm not sure how people would take it, but <laughs> I, I'll, I'm going to share it with your audience. My okay. mom told me that when I was two, I looked at her and I said, I will never be like you. Ooh. And she's, she was like, why? And I said, you're weak. So there wow. was something inside of me and, you know, and then I lost an eye to cancer when I was five. So that's also a very life defining moment. I'm at Enneagram seven and they say sevens are basically just walking parties unless <laughs> something happens to them. Mm happens to them, then they, they change, they connect for purpose, not just connect to connect. And so everything in my life began to change. Um, and, and so, yes, my mother, I think if she had said to me, I love your strength, that strength is going to serve you so well Mm -hmm. in your future. But right now you're in a season where you need to temper that. And then even talk about that and and I know everything in my life is violence, but let's say tempering is how they make a sword and how they make a sword is they put it in fire and then they twist it and then they put it in the fire again, then they twist it. And it actually has a tension within the metal. It's not just a piece of metal, but it has energy inside of it. And so every one of those lessons that I went through, uh, my mom would always say, you can learn it the hard way or you can learn it the easy way. You always choose the hard way. And I'm like, I, why? Why do I choose the hard way? But I, I do think if you set them up to win. Yeah. And because and, uh, I've got a granddaughter named Lizzie. And we, I had to write a book. To oh, yeah. Linus. Yes. Lizzie. Yeah. Because yes, yes. yeah, I'm like, Lord Jesus, this is me. This yeah. is me. Um, you know, if you have to make them a hero, 
You have to help them understand that their strength is for service. Their strength is for benefit, that you don't want to break their strength, but you do want to redirect it. And um, I do think sometimes as as, um, daughters that that fear thing that our mothers even have on their own life gets transferred to the daughters and fear is a horrible counselor. And so you have to say, am I speaking to my daughter out of a place of fear or am I speaking to my daughter out of a place of love? Mm. That what I really want is what's best for her. Am I trying to control her because this is inconvenient and I don't want to have this conversation right now. I don't want to have to take the time to take her to the word of God and have, and yes, I don't want to act like I did devotions every time (laughs) I cried children, please. I don't want to put any guilt. Um, but <clears throat> we did have conversations about the why, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, like on our boys were talking to us about, you know, all four of my boys are godly young men, you know, one is married, the other three are virgins. And, and we did this talk with them about their sexuality. And they said, part of the reason why we did not, uh, go off into promiscuity was you didn't just tell us don't, you told us why. Right. And I think a lot of children, if they have the why down, they they their inner longing that is created in the image of God, they want to be godly. They you know, if they're born again, their little spirits want to please their heavenly father, then then they actually are going to move in that direction mm-hmm. as opposed to being rebellious. Like a rule just for rule's sake. That there's purpose right. and God has a plan in all of these things for our protection and not to keep right. us from and good things. Yeah. Easy. Super yeah. easy for me to say that as a grandmother. You know? <laughs> You're on the other side. You made it through, though. (laughs) Because my boys would say, why? And I would sometimes say, because my knee now, which means absolutely nothing. Because, you know, one of my, and they'd be like, that means nothing. But one of my boys would always say, because my knee now, when he was baby, and I don't even know where it came from. But I was like, I don't have time to explain it. I don't have time (laughs) to explain this. But I would try at bedtime when it wasn't emotionally charged, where Mm. there wasn't a battle of the will to have that conversation with them. And, and you know, we made it really natural. And, and, uh, another thing is that we did is we didn't do devotions. We tried to one time and they were so awkward. We didn't know where to look. I think I got in trouble for talking during devotions. My <laughs> husband mad at me. So we said, we're just going to be devoted. Right. I love that. It's going to be organic. We're going to talk about the word of God. Well, we unpack their day and, you know, sometimes things like high, low of the day is really good. And sometimes kids are like, I'm not participating. <laughs> That's okay. But, you know, you, you want to have a conversation where you're saying, this was my high today as a parent. Yeah. And this was low today. And model humility and dependence. That's so good. Um, to the mom who sees all your books and your writing and your ministries and traveling and is envious of that season. Can you talk her through that transition? Like how, how did you move from mothering these young boys and being present and having these conversations into this ministry that you're now doing? Well, and I think I can set up with a statement. I breastfed all of my boys until they asked me to stop. They were like two and a half, almost three years old. So I want, I want you to know I was fully invested in whatever that season was. And, um, that doesn't mean I was perfect. I, I, you know, again, I'm not trying to put any guilt on mom, but I was invested in the season. And what I did was I did what I could in that season. So like when my kids were little and they, and, and I wanted to stay home, um, I wrote, I wrote my journal. I wrote on laptops. I didn't even know that I would ever be a Christian author. Uh, we didn't have social media. I was flailing, you know, in a house and just writing my heart out to God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, earnestly seeking things that, and and he would minister to me and, and I would write them down. And my first book I wrote when I was 34, it was called out of control and loving it. And you have to understand it. That began with in control and loving it (laughs) in hating it out of control and hating it and then out of control and loving it. And so I've always seen myself as coming alongside for a journey with somebody and saying, this is what I've learned. And I, I, I'm hoping it'll help you. And so that book came out, and to my shock, it was like super popular. I thought it was sleep deprived ranting for breastfeeding mother. I was like, really? So, I was like, so people actually understood what I was saying. And I remember I got invitations to speak, and I would just say no. Hmm. And and they'd be like, what? And I'd be like, just read the book out loud. I'm not coming. I have four kids. 
you know, and so my husband was like, that's not the way it works. And so I really tried to figure out what was, what would work with me. Mm -hmm. So John was usually home on Friday night. I would go out on Friday and I had to come back home Saturday so I could take the kids to church on Sunday because John would go out Saturday and come home on Sunday. So we found out what was working in that season of our life, the strength of that season. But I didn't ever uh, start, this wasn't even on the table. Like when I, I'm so old, I mean, I'm 58. You know, when I first started, uh, there was no, like, there was Joyce Meyer and like a couple other women, but there was no blogging. There was no people like I, I seriously did everything just out of obedience, Heather, and was right. in shock. Love it. And, um, you know, so I think it's really important that you know your season, find the joy and the strength in that season, capture your thoughts along your way, but don't think that because you're not writing and traveling and speaking and raising kids and breastfeeding and making <laughs> organic baby food that you're, that you're like missing out, yeah. you know, first of all, and, and this is embarrassing, but kind of funny. So, uh, my last book was a New York Times bestseller. Do you know what that even looks like? Nothing. Like <laughs> we found it online. Nobody came to my house. Nobody it wasn't like a big check house. or like a big sign and balloons no, or anything? Nothing, so. nothing, nothing. You know, so I was actually asleep in my bed. It was like 1 a.m. in the morning. And my two, uh, my second and third son jumped on me, lifted me out of the bed, jumped up and down and said, you're a New York Times bestselling author. I'm like, who, wait, why, why? I mean, this is how I found it out. Why? And they're like, I'm like, you can't tell me that. And they're like, we found it online. The publisher, they found it before the publisher found it. Never, no one's called me. Nobody said, congratulations. I didn't even get an email. Why do, I mean, that's awesome to get that honor. But really, to be honest with you, the fact that my boys were celebrating me meant more to me than any designation of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to say, what is truly important? At the end of the day, what really matters? My relationship with my husband, my relationship with my Lord, my relationship with my kids. And I'm not doing an order priority. So don't get <laughs> Everyone's pans are in a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, stop yeah. traffic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, I but get you. Yeah. It's not how, how popular I am. It's how well I love others. Yes. And, you know, there's a season where I'm so thankful because here's what I know, Heather. My children, they're more amazing than I am. Mm. They're more amazing than John is. Anything that is in my life will actually go into theirs and blossom way more beautifully, way more abundantly than anything I've ever done. Mm. I always like to say this prayer when I do a youth conference, I always pray that my kids will see up close things I've only seen in a distance, mm. that they'll, they'll speak out loud things I would have only dared to whisper, that they will lay hold of with their hands the things I've handled in prayer. And I've prayed this prayer over my boys since they were little from Isaiah, that they were for signs and wonders and miracles, that they are disciples taught of the Lord, and great is their peace and undisturbed composure. And of course, they're like, what's composure? <laughs> and I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It's going to be there for you when you need yeah, it. Yeah. And, and I've watched the faithfulness of God when I just said, I am a flawed, ridiculous person, and I have these amazing children, and it is such an entrustment of God that my kids are, are a gift and I want to do it well. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to emphasize that word well. Mm -hmm. Well means healthy. Nobody does it perfect. Well means I learn from my mistakes. Well means I talk to Heather and she has this beautiful platform to talk to other mothers. And, and she can say to other mothers, hey, you're doing it well. Yeah. Nobody does it perfect. You're learning from your mistakes. Don't beat yourself up every night. Give yourself grace. Give yourself mercy. Have friendships where your iron sharpens iron. Talk to each other. You know, love your husband. You know, I had to tell myself when I had kids, you like sex, Lisa. You like sex. You forgot that you like sex, but you like sex. You know, if I could look back and talk to my 35-year-old, I would say, you like sex. Stop wearing headbands. Buy a flat iron. <laughs> Enjoy your children. You know, <laughs> laugh with <laughs> Play with them more. Yeah, my hair was ridiculous. <laughs> Play with your children. Yeah. Don't trifold the underwear. It doesn't matter. You know, right. just don't even look. Just enjoy them. Laugh with them. Do life around the table. Stop trying to be friends with people that don't even like you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I had so many frenemies in my in my 30s. These are people that I really wanted them to like me and they they didn't like me. Don't be afraid of being alone. 
mm-hmm. would be another thing. I wish, you know, so much of my books and things I've done, they came in my season of alone. Mm-hmm. But I had to choose it was alone, not lonely. I had to say, during this season, I'm going to focus on my kids. I'm going to focus on what God is doing in my life. And I'm going to lift up my eyes on another season. And I'm going to find sisters on my horizon. And I'm going to see my sons who fear the Lord. And I'm going to see a beautiful daughter-in-law. And I'm going to see grandkids. And I'm going to see that I have the privilege of traveling and speaking all over the world. But it will always be in the right perspective. Because I'll already have known that the greatest platform I ever walk on is my life. It's not a stage somebody else gives me. It's the entrustments that God has given me. And I think too many moms don't know how to laugh at their future. I mean, you just have to, I mean, things when you're raising kids, it's just ridiculous. You have to laugh. It goes back to that book, Out of Control and Loving It. I mean, it's when that you get to that release point and you can just settle down and not make the thing so perfect and not pursue everyone else's adoration and be settled and centered in God's for you and, um, as the original title of the podcast, God Center Mom, I loved Adamant. I'm going to talk about it. I'm Thank picking you. it up um, because here's a little side note. There was an entire year where I was obsessed with rocks. Obsessed. Oh, I'm not even kidding you. I have a journal completely full of all these scripture references. God, just everywhere I looked, I'd read another passage. There's another rock. There's another rock. So I get your book and the mail and I'm like, oh, she did it. She wrote the rock book because <laughs> I was thinking, yes, yes, this rock and that rock. And uh, I had this story. We were visiting. We were driving out to California and we stopped at the caverns, some caverns. I can't remember which ones. And I have one son who's terrified, fearful, everything. And mm. he, um, we were down all these feet. We took this elevator so far down. <laughs> I don't even know. And we're down in this cavern. He's asking the tour guide, uh, what if there's, what if there's a hurricane? What's going to happen? And the guy's like, well, <laughs> there's not really hurricanes here, but I think we'd be okay. What if there's a tornado? And they're like, well, that would probably pass over us. We wouldn't even, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. He said, what about an earthquake? And I was like, now, now I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> now you have transferred your fear to me because yeah. we are really far down and we're in a hole in the ground and there's an earthquake. And the tour guide said, if there was an earthquake, we would hear from a, we would you know, maybe they would radio down and say that they could feel it up on top, but it would go around the cavern and we wouldn't feel it. And this cavern, we got to the end of it. It's shaped as a cross. Wow. It's in uh, the shape of a cross. Why didn't you tell me this story before? So I, I know you could have added it in your book, but I That's thought amazing. that is, that is what God is. That is what Christ is. It doesn't take away from the circumstances shaking or the culture shaking or the rocky, the, the, the earthquakes that happen in our lives. It's that we are secure and solid in mm. Christ who is our adamant, which do you want to tell everybody what that means? Since yeah, I said so, it a thousand times. So, so did you, had you, did you discover what I had discovered about this? No, I hadn't gotten to that point. Maybe if I had, then I would have written this okay. book and you okay. would be interviewing me. So, but you know how like there's, you know, in the, there's the philosopher's stone and there's the stone that held the sword. Well, long before adamant was an adjective or an adverb, it was a noun. And it was this mythical stone, mythical mineral that the Greeks believed they could find somehow. I, I, and they said, okay, this will be a mineral that will be magnetic. It'll draw, but not be drawn. It will be able to take light and redirect it. It'll be woven so tightly that any lesser inferior stone will shatter under the weight of this adamant. And they called it Adamus. And um, this theory was so compelling that it traveled to Great Britain where we got the word adamant. And so for a long time, they used this word. Like they would say, he'll make your forehead like adamant, not flint, was originally, it was interesting. And then when diamonds were discovered, they said, oh, a diamond is an adamant. This is, it has reflective light. And it's like, well, then they found out diamonds vaporize. So they're like, okay, maybe adamant isn't a real thing. We'll just make an adjective adverb. But here's what I think, Heather. I think that there was a longing woven into us. You know, the mysteries of God and the hunger for God, the fact that you would have an obsession with rocks. And <laughs> Who that, does that? that? Yeah, well, right. No, but see, right. that's how, the, that's how the, the Hebrew lineage is all about rocks, 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 the God, the rocks. And so when I began to look at this, I went, oh my gosh, they were looking for Christ. 
the, the magnet that would draw but not be drawn, the one who is light, this whole dynamic of invincible. That's what Adam means. It means invincible, but it's also immovable. It's also constant. It's also that rock who follows them in the wilderness in Corinthians, which Paul like makes it sound like, of course, we knew this, which was Christ. <laughs> wait, 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 there was a rock that followed and it was, wait. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, that was news to me. I was like, wait, the oh. rock followed them? I knew they broke open the rock and water came out, but I didn't realize it. I a didn't rock. miss that scripture. Yes. I, okay. Yes. I was like, wait, a rock followed. A followed rock the Israelites. Followed in the wilderness. Them through the wilderness. It okay. was their rear guard, which was Christ. The glory of the Lord is, which is Jesus, the rear guard. And it gave them water. So I was like, what in the world? And so that word in Hebrew means an unassailable refuge. So it made me realize that Christ is our unassailable refuge. He is our cornerstone. He is our adamant. He is that uh, that living stone that Peter talks about. Welcome to the living stone, the stone the builders rejected. He is that Daniel 2. I saw a stone not made with hands, how it crushes the kingdoms. And then the, the stone becomes a mountain. It fills the earth. That's Zion. That's the church. I just, I was like going crazy. My yeah. whole family was like, stop talking about rocks. But, <laughs> that's how my people were. They're like, okay, Heather. That's great. Yes. Thanks. But it, you know, I love that you loved rocks. As a little girl, that was my favorite thing to do was have a rock collection. I would sit in gravel and just look for rocks. I was sure there was jewels. And that is what I found when I was writing this book. And it's all about truth. Yeah. It's all about truth because we have this universe of opinions right now. And you know, that's the subtitle, Finding Truth in the Universe. We have a universe of opinions and people are so confused there. They feel like, what what happened? What yeah. happened? There's right is wrong, up is down, left is right, red is blue. There's no constant anymore. And when there's no constant, people panic. When it's your truth, this is Heather's truth. This is Lisa's truth. This is John's truth. This is your child's truth. No, no, we have to have the truth. And it's not a what, it's a who. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to weave uh, kind of a new way of looking at the things that have been stripped away from us. And as I went on this journey, as I began to pursue this adamant, who is Christ, this invincible stone that was rejected at this this stone that follows us in each of our wildernesses. I mean, how beautiful is that? And I was like, oh my gosh, God is adamant in truth. He's adamant in truth. That doesn't mean he's harsh in truth because we know that truth without love is harsh. But our God who is truth is also love. But we have a generation that is declaring love without truth, which is a lie. You cannot separate truth from love or love from truth. They have to go together. Our God is a consuming fire, and he is truth, and he is love. And so he is that consuming fire that would consume every falsehood that would keep us from his love. And so I I just, I was just fascinated with this, and I found so many people. This is, again, I want, I want to be very clear. This book did— a lot for me as I wrote it. Right. It, it, it pierced some areas in my own heart. And I tried to be very transparent with the issues, but I felt like it was a directive, not an encouragement, mm-hmm. not a, hey, everybody, let's, let's all just be happy and lionesses and swing swords. This was a, you know, we need to actually know what we're standing on unless we fall. We need to know who we are. We need to understand that we have to come to God based on who he is, not who we've decided to make him. We have to make sure there's no idols that have defined us. And and then one of the most shocking things was for me to realize that we can't actually even love who God loves if we don't hate what he hates. Yeah, that because was good. Yeah, talk through that because I thought yeah. what you had to say was really powerful. Yeah, well, it really shocked me. Mm-hmm. But God hates what unmakes love. Yeah. And so even as a mother, we can actually see this. God loves everyone, but that doesn't mean he loves everything. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of Christians are like, I hate sex trafficking. I think it's horrible. It's the it's the worst dehumanizing, uh, violating thing I've ever heard of. But they do they hate pornography, the catalyst of sex trafficking, at the same level that they hate right. sex trafficking. Right. Do they do they hate gossip as much as they hate maybe the media misrepresenting something? I mean, like we have to actually like take it down to like what's happening in my life shadow, every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shadow in our own heart. Yeah. Uh, do we fear the Lord or do we fear people? Do we want to be popular or do we want to be influential? And, you know, so I found that God hates what unmakes love. He hates what unmakes those he loves. 
He hates what undermines his image and distorts ours, which means he hates when the widow, the orphan, and the poor are neglected. He hates when evil is called good and good is called evil. He hates injustice because the whole reason for God's throne is for justice. He hates when women are put away in divorce because it says it overwhelms her with cruelty. He hates when friends become enemies. He hates strife between brothers. He hates pride. He hates pride, and yet our culture, when you really want to get down to it, and we're all gut level, our culture encourages pride. And I had to look at areas of my life where, where is pride taking me captive? Where is, where is this a distortion? God hates pride because it makes us have to be at a distance with him. You know, mm-hmm. it puts us in a non-learning position. God says that if we're in a place of pride, he can't even grow. Grace us. God gives grace to the humble, not the proud. And we also don't have authority in the spirit. We're prideful. You know, we have arrogance. It's actually like Satan's bloodline. He's like awesome. You know, so we have to humble ourselves before God resists the devil and then he flees. And so part of humbling ourselves before God is your way is just. Your way is true. I don't understand how this fits into what's going on in my culture, but God, I'm going to decide that you alone are holy and you alone are true and you alone are just and that you're the one who knows how I've been made. And so I'm going to learn your way so I can learn how to live. And that's what I really wanted to unpack in the book so that people could understand how to stand for truth in a time period where actually standing for truth actually means you might be accused of hating. Right, right. And hating the right things and loving in the way he loved. And you always love people. And and you you know what? You talked about your mom um, yes. And I'm so sorry about her passing and you've lost both of your parents and having lost a parent recently, it's tragic and it's hard. And um, you mentioned, you know, coming to grips with the the guilt or I don't even know if you'd say guilt, but just feeling like you wish regret that you hadn't yeah. loved your mom more like Jesus did. And so for the gal who's listening, whose parent is still alive and there's still a chance to make that relationship right and to love like Jesus. What did that look for you? Yeah. My mom and I fought all the time and I can't, Heather, I can barely remember what we fought about. Yeah. So the things that I do remember is my lost opportunities, Mm. chances to be loving that I didn't take. Um, I love my mom, how she loved me. I didn't love her how Jesus loves me. And Jesus is our pattern. Jesus says, love as I have loved you. He didn't say, love how you feel safe. He, so I'll just would say to anybody, you, you will never regret kindness. You will never regret loving words. You will never regret giving and being generous. Uh, I, my mom was one of those people that she'd give you a list and she wanted you to spend more on her at Christmas than you spent on your husband. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this. But looking back now, I feel like her life was totally alone. And you know what? I should have just coughed up the extra $50. Maybe not every Christmas, but gosh, you know what? I wish that I had been more loving. I wish that I had reserved the rights of my opinions. Uh, I had lots of opinions. And I wish that I had spoken words in kindness so they could be heard more. I I found myself very – my mom had – borderline personality disorder. Mm. And later in life, she had dementia and it kind of came on slow. So she's had the borderline personality disorder ever since I was a child. But, you know, I, I wish I had actually understood that right? Um, because that does make a really big difference. And um, yeah. And so I, I just would want to say, you know, put down the need to be right. Mm. Put down the need to have the final word. Speak in kindness and understand when we know to do better, we do better, but sometimes people don't know to do better and they can't do better. So we can't judge them by our standard. We can just love them, love them well. So, so good. And I know your time, we, it's gone so fast and I want to be able to talk more. Um, I have had this question and I don't know if it's a quick answer, but no, I'll do um, it. in holding to our truth as believers, we will get in conflict with the people we love. How do we lovingly disagree in a culture that is confused on how to do that well how do we do that in a way jesus would you know um i had a beautiful opportunity to do this last summer i was finishing up the book and my my husband's sister was staying with us and she she there was many things that she disagreed with me about and i said you know what i understand why you disagree 
And I said, you know, my personality would automatically disagree with a lot of this as well. And I said, but I have to live my life according to the standard of the word of God. I have to anchor myself to something bigger than myself or else I'll just be fluid all the time. And so, you know, I just, we talked it through and, and, um, and I was not harsh with her. And I just said, you know, read, this is, this is, we live our life by the standard of God's word. And when I read the scripture, I, I can't find ways around this. When I see the whole totality of the scripture, I, I, I don't, you know, I can't see this. And so what happened was, um, I didn't, unbeknownst to me, um, me being kind to her without compromising. And that's, I think, that whole challenge that we would be hard as adamant, tender as a child, tender as a blossom, tender and kind. Um, Jesus was never compromised, but he was never harsh, except for the religious people. <laughs> so um, so yeah. I happened to be speaking in her city, and for years we had prayed for her to get saved, and she came out to this women's meeting. She sat there crying the whole time. The next morning I preached on Sunday morning when the pastor, I asked him to do the altar call because I wasn't sure if she would respond to me. She came running down. She grabbed his hand. She wept like a baby and she was radically born again. And when I asked her later, she said it was the conversation where I knew that you had convictions, but you weren't harsh. Mm-hmm. And you actually tried to help me understand. I think we need to stop arguing and bring in the word of God, not our experiences, not our opinions, not what the media says, but bring in the word of God. You know, I'm not that smart. I have, I, no, I have to go to the word of God. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm an ENFP. Yeah, you know, me too. Yeah, sorry. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we want everybody happy. We want everybody yes. to win at Monopoly. We want, you know, we want everything, everyone. But, but here's the thing. Uh, telling somebody a lie is truth is not loving. Yeah. Telling somebody that there's no freedom, you know, that, that, what that's not loving. And, and so telling our children, again, having to navigate hard conversations with our kids to understand we always love everyone, but, but we have to be able to separate the everyone from the everything. Mm. And, um, I think that those conversations are important ones to have. Um, so yeah, I mean, respectful, kind, adamant where, Hey, the word of God is my standard. It, it doesn't matter what I think or how, even how I feel about it. That there, We live in a broken world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I really feel like the church has not modeled the transformation and the love of God well. And they're looking at us and God is saying, baby girl, I need you to let me take you by the hand and lead you into a life of radical transformation. So can people can see me on your life instead of you telling everybody what's wrong with your life. Right. I need you to actually, I need you to actually lean in and, and be this incredible light for me. And light doesn't call darkness light. Light, light, breaks. light just shines. It yeah, just it shines breaks and breaks the darkness, yeah. Yeah, and so we have to speak the truth in love, which means we have to first learn how to live the truth in love, which is what I was hoping when I wrote this book, that adamant finding truth in universe opinions would actually begin in their heart, where any hardness in their heart, any fluidness that needed to be solidified, that foundations would be shored up and lives would be built in strength and in love and in faith and in hope and in community. I love how you say focus on yourself and your heart and this book and y'all check it out. I put links in the show notes and how you can connect with Lisa online and get her other books too. I mean, (laughs) I know they're all in love with you now too. So thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. So, so good. your friends. I appreciate it too. So good. And I love we're seeing each other. I know. But we are seeing each other. I'm in my bedroom and Heather's in her closet. I, I love it. that. I see you. Yeah. It's I like an amazing you. coffee date. It is. It is. But where's my coffee? I, like my I know. La- I've got LaCroix. That's all I've got. <laughs> hey, that works. That works. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your week. And today's launch day. So congrats. Thank congrats. you. Thank I appreciate you. it. I hope that was as enjoyable to listen to as it was to record. I loved chatting with Lisa. It was super fun. And the fact that uh, she decided to do video made it even more fun. She is full of life, so inspiring, such great perspective as we go through these years and ask for forgiveness and give ourselves grace. Uh, But hold on to truth. I loved all of her thoughts about who God is in this world of shifting sands, knowing the rock that we build our house on, you know, back to that old children's song. Uh, 
so, so helpful. And just wanted to remind you, if you're a listener, but you don't connect with the show via social media, that once a week, I do my best to post a centering truth, something that God's led me to that week, a verse from his word, um, some lie that I have been made aware of in my own heart, and then truth that I'm holding on to and centering myself on so that I don't <laughs> let that lie take over. And it's not something that only I do. I mean, you can ask God, show me truth where I'm believing a lie. Show me truth where I'm following culture and uh, let me be centered on that. Let me be steady on that truth instead of on my opinion. I was even remembering that this is a value of my church, that it's God's truth over our opinion is one of our value statements. So Uh, If that's a new concept for you, then I'm just praying that God directs you to the right truth and that if, um, you know, something stirred in your heart, some lie you're believing while you were listening to Lisa about your past, that God would reveal the truth that he can redeem all things, that he is in the restoration business. If you have regrets, that there is always a new start. This week can be a new start. The next hour can be a new start. The next day can be a new start. Um, there's no dead ends when you have Jesus involved, that he's all about new beginnings and making all things new. Uh, I also wanted to let you know about next week's episode. Um, I interviewed two friends from church and we talked about being Christian moms who work in the corporate world. I know I've had a lot of guests on that have had a variety of um, work from home jobs or a mixture of part-time jobs, but these are gals who are in the corporate world and are raising little ones. So we just chat and try to you know, bond us all moms together and tear down some barriers and our communication and just fears that we have. And so check that episode out. Also working on some other great stuff to finish out May. And then in mid-June, we'll do our Summer of Mentorship series for six weeks. So if you are planning your GCM podcast club around that, know that we'll start that back up in mid-June. All right. Y'all, I'm just going to pray us out because y'all said you loved um, the prayer from last week. So I want to pray over us. Dear Lord, I thank you for the woman who's listening. I thank you for her desire to be God-centered, to be more concerned with her relationship with you than any other relationship. Secure her heart to you. Remind her that she does not do any of this alone, that you have filled her with your Holy Spirit if she's professed belief in your son and all that he's done on the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love that he showed us. Thank you that we aren't just brought near to you, but we are brought to be one with you because we are in Christ and Christ and the Holy Spirit is in us. I thank you, God, that we are one with one another. I pray that as we approach our kids' misbehavior, that we can um, remember that we're all on the same side of needing your salvation, that we can be humble, uh, that pride doesn't get in the way of conflicts with friends and family that we may disagree with, that we can love what you love um, and hate what you hate, but love people First and foremost, pray that we have supernatural love for each other, um, even in the midst of our differences. I thank you for who's ever listening. May she find your truth. May she go on a search. May she study your word to know the truth of what you say about who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.